0: This is a crowd podcast.
1: Welcome to Go Love Yourself.
2: We're so much more than our appearance. You know, your value as a person is so much more than your appearance alone. It's something that Laura
1: and I have said since literally the first day of the podcast. The way that you look is the least interesting thing about you. That's such an easy thing to say and a very difficult thing to feel.
0: Hey Laura, how are you? I'm good mate, I'm good, we've both rocked up in identical hot pink jumpers for today's recording, <laughs> unplanned Both bright pink jumper dresses <laughs> <laughs> but I love this for <laughs> I do, I love we it We look
1: like sisters that were getting married on the same day, do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I love this for us
0: <laughs> I love it too, so anyway, Smithy, how are you?
1: I'm good, thank you very much. I'm all good. Perhaps I'll save this chat maybe for another episode, Laura, because one, we've got a really good episode that we want to get into, but two, I know you're not going to like what I'm about to say. But at the time of recording this, it is the beginning of November and I have started listening to Christmas songs. Oh God, you've got
0: Mariah out.
1: (laughs) No, Mariah we save until December. Mariah and George come out in December. We've got Christmas Jazz. I am happy for you. Thank Uh, you. And on
0: that, I think we should get into today's episode. (laughs) Yeah, Today we're going to be talking about body dysmorphic disorder, also known as body dysmorphia. And we are chatting to the lovely Jem Gunn. Jem is a therapist who specialises in body image issues, appearance dissatisfaction concerns and body dysmorphic disorder, which we'll be referring to throughout the episode as BDD.
1: And just a little warning that this episode will discuss some difficult topics surrounding body dysmorphia and mental illness. So please do listen with care.
0: But before we chat to Jim, we have something very exciting to tell you. For £1 a week, you can now get an extra episode of Go Love Yourself every
1: week. As you might already know, our subscribers and patrons get the podcast ad-free and early. But starting this week, we're going to be releasing bonus episodes included in
0: that subscription. So if you need more Go Love Yourself content in your life, I mean, who doesn't, Lauren? (laughs) You can now join our subscriptions, get another episode every week. And if you're already a subscriber on Apple Podcasts or Patreon, you don't need to do anything because you'll automatically get access to these bonus episodes.
1: And if you're not already a subscriber and you would like to get ad free and early releases and twice as much of me and Laura every week, you can sign up
0: in the link in the episode description. And whilst you're in the episode description, don't forget to get yourself a ticket to our live recordings, which are happening on the 21st of November and the 20th of December. We cannot wait to see you there. This is a paid advertisement from BetterHelp
1: right Laura how do you feel about this time of year do you love winter do you find it difficult nights are drawing in tell me your feelings
0: I love the idea of it but now it's here I must admit I have noticed a bit of a drop in my mood
1: same I I, I haven't felt it yet but the think the main thing I find is that as soon as I finish work it's dark so usually what I would sometimes do is go on a walk before and after work and I refuse obviously to go out for a walk in the dark by myself yeah. so that will inevitably have a bit of an effect on my mental health which I'm uh, I, I just don't love
0: yeah and I think it's it's normal isn't it I think lots of us feel a bit sad or anxious around this time of year it can be tricky it can be a hard time of year so I think that's why it's really important that we do things that make us feel good and we put things in place that are going to help
1: 100% and like I said for me that is going for a walk and listening to a podcast but also other things that are really really good for us is booking time to see your friends and family spending time outside the house with other people and something else that's really important that both Laura and I have done before and we've talked about it lots is speaking to a therapist that can help you manage everything that's going on in your brain as well
0: massively and i think the thing about therapy like there's a slight misconception that you need to have it when like there's a, something big happening or a trauma yeah. or whatever but actually i genuinely feel like we should all just be in therapy like all the time <laughs> all it might sound time. a bit dramatic but i genuinely do believe that
1: no mate, i couldn't agree more and and i still use the coping mechanisms that i was taught in therapy i still use them like today do you know what i mean it's yeah. it, like and they help me and i'm able now to tell them to other people so this is where our fabulous sponsor better help comes in with over one thousand therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health.
0: And as a listener of Go Love Yourself, you can get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash go love. That's better h e-l p.com slash go love.
3: For me to get married again, they have to tick the right boxes. Yeah. Because I'm just sick of these Klingons mm. who turn into Mr. Prices. I just want to meet someone Who wants me for me? Mm. But yeah, I would get married. I can't wait. We should (laughs) reorganise (laughs) it. This is The Katie Price Show, a podcast all about me and my life. Alongside... Me, Kate's sister, Sophie. Me and Sophie, we're so close. But you would not think we are from the same family. I mean, if you could see Sophie now, she dresses like... Go on. A librarian. But this would make me puke. Oh, no, what? Bad breath, and if they get white bits at the side of their mouth. I think it's pretty obvious he's gone off it. It seems like (laughs) he's probably having an affair. Anyway, I am a nice person. (laughs) (laughs) So come on, give it a listen. Just search for The Katie Price Show. New episodes out every Thursday.
0: Thank you so much for coming on the podcast can you tell us what you're putting in the bag of dicks today please
2: hey thank you for having me uh yeah definitely i want to put this blooming body dysmorphic disorder in the bag of dicks
1: right i love that you've got straight to the point so let's get into this because this term is not something i've really heard before jim can you tell us what is body dysmorphic disorder
2: in terms of what body dysmorphic disorder actually is, it comes under the obsessive compulsive disorder, OCD spectrum. Does it? Oh, wow. Did you yes. know that. Yes. Which actually, for me, I think is really helpful for me trying to explain to somebody what it is. Because a lot of people have heard about contamination OCD. So that is kind of, you know, the fear of becoming contaminated or contaminating somebody else. So the way they react might be, you know, you've probably heard of it of like washing your hands six times, you know, before you leave the house. So it's that kind of Mm. having those intrusive thoughts and having that compulsion to carry out sort of a repetitive task. And in that respect, when I sort of talk about body dysmorphic disorder, it's similar in the fact that you have the obsessions and you have the compulsions. So that means you have these negative intrusive thoughts, but it's things which are telling you like, you know, um i'm ugly i'm defective i'm worthless i'm grotesque and it makes you feel so awful it makes you feel so distressed and you have a physiological response so you know like if you're having a panic attack or anxiety and you feel like you know yeah. your heart's racing and you get all sweaty and your hands are all like clammy and then in order to try and make yourself feel safe in situations where you feel that you're you know let's say for instance that you feel that you're physically have flaws in your appearance and you don't want to be seen by others because you might be socially rejected for example then you feel very very anxious and you get all those kind of feelings going on in your body so you're going to try and seek out some safety seeking behaviors and those like compulsions so for BDD um, you might be sort of repeatedly mirror checking or comparing yourself and seeking reassurance those there's many other factors but those are sorts of things that you do so you're kind of in that way I feel it's quite Akin to obsessive compulsive disorder traits. And that helps me sort of explain it out to other people.
0: That's so interesting what you said, because I think I always thought that body dysmorphia was that you looked in the mirror and you saw something that wasn't true. So, smaller people, for instance, looked in the mirror and they saw someone who was very large. Yeah, what defines BDD and how does it go from? having sort of body image concerns which as you say most of us have to actually having bdd
2: yeah so i think i think for me it's kind of um the amount to which it impairs your quality of life your daily functioning so you know if you have extreme worries about an aspect of your appearance and it's causing you distress that You don't want to leave the house or you don't want to go to school or you don't want to go to work. And especially post-pandemic, where there's this massive pressure to be visible online all the time. And, you know, at work, you might be having to have online Zoom meetings all through the day and that kind of stuff. And if you're kind of starting to avoid or escape or conceal or camouflage yourself in in ways to avoid things to do with your appearance exposure, then um, it might be something that it's becoming a problem for you above and beyond, you know, negative body image. I think for me, a negative body image, it fluctuates, doesn't it? So, you know, throughout your, as as women, throughout your menstrual cycle, developmentally, you know, through uh, puberty or even through aging process, you know, and again, you have hormone fluctuations and you have mm. menopause and aging and all the rest of it, then yes, our size, our shape, our appearance, it's going to fluctuate, it's going to change. But you know, it's very common for people to feel dissatisfied at certain periods in their time about the way they look, or the way they feel about the way they look. But I think when it's to the extent that it's actually affecting you, either your mental health, your physical health, your social life, um, your intimate relationships, you know, work, school, leisure, uh, when it's starting to have an impact on that, then I think it's definitely time to go and sort of seek somebody to find out whether you may have body dysmorphic disorder.
0: So Gem, do you mind me asking, like, why is this so important to you? Like, can you tell us a little bit about how you kind of got into this and you, maybe your personal story?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think, well, two, two things that I did a TEDx earlier this year, because I had picked up the paper, and I read that there was a 30 year old female teaching assistant, not too far from where I live that had died by suicide as a result of having body dysmorphic disorder. Oh, it still gets me. And I was so sort of so impassioned, you know, by the fact that, you know, this has been around for 132 years. And, you know, it is a recoverable condition as I keep on banging the drum about and you know really you know we should get this message out there so that we can you know prevent suicide it's got one of the highest suicide rates of all mental health disorders greater than depression and schizophrenia no way. Wow. and people that have bdd are 45 times more likely to die by suicide if left untreated so i am so passionate no. about um, about making sure people know what it is how to identify the signs and symptoms you know, get the help that they deserve, and, you know, be able to be in recovery, like myself. So I experienced BDD myself, I've walked the walk, I am in recovery. And I went on as part of my journey, you know, to train and become, you know, an integrative psychotherapist. And yeah, in terms of my personal story, so I was about, you know, 15, when I developed body dysmorphic disorder and disordered eating as well. And that's its typical onset is sort of, you know, adolescence. And it typically takes about 15 years until people arrive, you know, opposite a therapist, because You know, if you're absolutely convinced that there's something wrong with the way that you look, you are more likely to go to, you know, to a a cosmetic dentist, a cosmetic surgeon, dermatologist to keep on trying to fix this perceived flaw. And but you're still feeling really unhappy about the way you look, even after those procedures. So it sometimes takes quite a long time until people realise, you know, this is something that's kind of affecting my life um, and it's not getting fixed by treatments and then they end up seeing a therapist this
1: is so interesting because I'm with Laura like you know going into this chat today my understanding of body dysmorphia um which BDD is also known as is people in smaller bodies looking in the mirror and seeing someone who's much bigger and that's it Gem like that was my understanding of it and what you're saying is actually like there's so many other symptoms for of it and it's and it's that yeah like you know our concentration on body image and but hyper do you know what I mean like so could you run through me again just just the symptoms of BDD because I think a lot of people listening to this episode are going to be like oh my god I think that's what I have because I know certainly when I've had some of our listeners drop into my DMs and we've had chats and the intensity that they feel of hatred towards themselves or certain parts of their body or what they're stopping themselves from doing what I deemed as just having a very negative body image Perhaps some of these women do have BDD.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So again, I think with any mental health disorder, it's really difficult because it's not like a physical um, illness. It's not like a broken arm, a broken leg. It's something you can't see. So in terms of, you know, symptoms, I think the way that I would pick up on it or I advise people to pick up on it is to look at the behavioural cues. So if somebody's feeling really distressed, they're going to consciously or unconsciously try and seek out ways to make themselves feel safe in that moment, even actually if it's a short-term fix, you know, and it may not necessarily be great for them in the long run. But some of those sort of short-term fixes um, for BDD particularly centre around mirror checking, Um, or reflective surfaces this can be one of two ways either it's somebody that's going to um, have a little pocket mirror and check themselves repeatedly in the pocket mirror again everything is kind of ritualistic it is repeated and it's maybe to an excessive amount more than you would sort of consider typical in terms of looking in a mirror so it might be um, checking a little pocket mirror. It could be reflective surfaces, which could be, you know, in your iPhone switches off and it's a black screen and you can use that as a, as a reflective surface. It could be shop windows. It could be a glossy uh, metallic car, car wing mirrors, um, you know, anything like that. So they're either kind of checking themselves repeatedly and that's where it's very often misunderstood as like vanity, because you think, oh, this person thinks they look amazing. They keep like catching themselves in the reflection and stuff like that. And that could be that they, Oh just yeah, they that. actually yeah. feel really, really inferior and so worthless and so awful about the way that they look that they're actually catching a glance at themselves to see if they don't look so hideous in that particular second. And that and that kind of creates this cycle of wanting to recheck again and recheck wow. again and recheck again. So right. you know, people innocently might think, gosh, that person thinks, you know thinks they're amazing they keep looking in the mirror and the opposite of that is that they avoid mirrors at all costs so again if you notice people that go out of their way to avoid catching themselves in reflective surfaces another one is when it comes to photographs and videos so again one of two ways you know either you find somebody is avoiding having any photos taken of them they don't want any permanent memory of their appearance or avoiding videos being taken of them you know in work life it could be avoiding going on online video conference meetings and then it starts to kind of drip 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 into sort of wider things in terms of they might start cancelling events so let's say you've arranged to kind of you know meet up you know for lunch with some friends and then they kind of you find that they're socially withdrawing they're sort of pulling out because they don't want photos Uh, they know the photo is going to get taken at at the event or whatever, so they're going to avoid going to the event itself. And then they actually end up sort of missing out on a lot of social events and then really quite key significant life events. You know, many people then don't feel that they want to go to even their like, you know, sister's wedding because they don't want to be in the photo or they don't want videos captured of them. And then they start missing out on really significant life events of weddings, birthdays, funerals, you name it.
0: Is there help available? And if so, what what does that look like?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's my key message that, you know, BDD is a recoverable condition with the right treatment and support. That's what I always kind of you know go on about there are sort of screening tests that you can do there's some sort of you know online screening to give you kind of an indication and you know we at the gem gun body image therapy center we offer like a free 30 minute consultation and you know you can talk in confidence about your concerns and we can do a screening there to kind of identify whether this is more than you know negative um, body image concern and it is an actual body dysmorphic disorder serious mental health disorder um, and there's kind of there's two routes in england so there is the sort of nhs route where you would go to your gp and the nice guidelines um, are to have cbt erp and or medication so usually ssris like antidepressants and you know the talking therapy which is cognitive behavioral therapy exposure response prevention and you'd go through through an assessment and then you know you'd, you'd been confirmed as bdd then you know you'd have the interventions and follow-ups and all that kind of procedure or the alternative is to go down the private therapy route um, which is what I offer so I'm an integrative psychotherapist in private practice. And a lot of people choose to elect to go down the private route because the wait lists are quite long on the NHS currently.
1: Um, it's actually something I worked with in my last job. I worked in communications for a mental health trust. Uh, one of the things was the CAMS service for eating disorders. And BDD was part of it. And the waiting list is heartbreaking for children. And it's actually one of the reasons I left because I couldn't... It was just too heartbreaking to see this happening. So I, I understand why people go down the private Root. I think it's fabulous that you that you're doing what you're doing and like I'm just sitting here learning already so much I'm hoping it's helping people that are listening and it's and it's so interesting I I wanted to kind of ask like going sort of back to the beginning and I think I know the answer to this question because you know it being a mental health disorder but how does this start is there a way Mm. this starts or is it just you know how long's a piece of string it could have started for for a number of different reasons
2: So like a lot of mental health disorders, you know, sorry, there isn't a kind of single answer to this. Um, It's a multifactorial causation. So, you know, it's a mixture, isn't it? It's a combination of biological, environmental, many different factors, uh, psychological factors. So it could be genetics. It could be a family history of BDD, childhood teasing, bullying, shaming, abuse, maltreatment. could be family narratives, cultural expectations, puberty, changes, developmental changes, significant physical changes. It could be visible differences, that could be due to illness or disability, or it could be sort of to do with your cognitions, like having low self-esteem, or it could be societal expectations. You know, we talk about, you know, media and pressure and portrayal of unrealistic beauty standards, but it's lots of reasons, really. No,
0: that makes sense. Yeah, I
2: kind of go on to say that, you know, children, when you're kind of aged two to three, that's kind of when you first become aware of like your body image you start to kind of notice yourself you know in a mirror in a reflection and you start to kind of be curious about your body and then you kind of go to school don't you in sort of ages six to twelve you're kind of you're more introduced to kind of societal expectations because you have more societal interactions um, and then you become more conscious about your your body image so I think developmentally it starts you know fairly young in terms of body image awareness and comparison to others And then in adolescence, which has got BDD's typical onset, you know, again, that's kind of, you've got to deal with, you know, puberty, um, physical development, and, you know, the greater self-consciousness of yourself against others as, you know, societal influences, awareness ramps up, doesn't it, at that time as well, so.
1: You sort of mentioned it a little bit before, Gem, about comparisons and media and social media and, you know, unrealistic body standards. Do you think social media has an impact on BDD?
2: Um, I always think this is a a tricky one because um, I think social media can be used, you know, one of two ways, really. I kind of see it can be used, you know, if you want to look negatively at it, then you can really sort of, you know, bash social media in terms of um, marketing, promoting this unrealistic ideal, you know, beauty standards, Um, and we've got sort of all the technological advances so you've got like airbrushing and um, artificial intelligence generating images now um, and you know all that sort of way which you can really think okay well that's kind of making this perfectionistic ideal that nobody can live up to and it's kind of raising that expectation and it's unachievable and it's just going to make you feel rubbish about yourself but I also sort of think marketing's been around a long time, at least since the 1950s, hasn't it? And all marketing is always um focus on you know a sense of lack um because then you've got to buy their product. That makes sense, isn't it? So if they can really hone in on what you're lacking, then they've got a product to sell to fix that lack in a way, sort of thing. So they're going to portray, you know, in media um, about, you know, a person that, you know, is super happy when they buy this particular product, you know, and that's kind of we can't get away from that. But I think, you know, um, to look positively, you can also use social media to your own advantages. So, you know, we can really use it to harness promoting Mm -hmm. positive um, body image diversity, you know, all different shapes and sizes and looks skin tones, textures, hairstyles, whatever we can really use it the other way around we can promote the beauty of diversity. Also I think there's been some advances in terms of campaigning against digitalized images you know that they have to come with a label to say if they've been you know digitally enhanced. Um, and we can you know teach children about media literacy skills in terms of being more savvy to knowing which images you know have been digitally altered. Um, and curate your social media towards sites which aren't triggering for you so yeah I think there's kind of this there's so much we can do um with social media you know you can also encourage people to limit time spent on sites if this is causing them an impact in their you know daily functioning so so I'm a kind of I'm 50 50 on social media I'm you know it's it's good as much as it's bad
1: I totally agree I was like just just adding on to that as well is I think that um the you know the surge in AI imagery and stuff like that, we need to we need to get better at knowing what that looks like. So, you know, us like, you know, the millennials out there, the Gen Z might know, but you know, we I ain't got a clue. And um, we need to get better at that. So as much as companies and and the you know the metas of the world have got a responsibility of what goes out on social media, I think as users we have a responsibility to curate our feeds. Um, And I think that's a really important one for, you know, looking at body image and comparisons and stuff. So like, you know, you've both said, curating it and following people who don't make you feel like shit. But Gem, you made a such a beautiful comment about making sure that you follow a diverse range of people as well. Um, And Mm. I saw someone on instagram recently saying that we have a responsibility to fill our feeds with people who don't look like us so i obviously follow a lot of fat creators because that's what i look like and i want fashion tips and i want confidence tips but also i want to hear from black women tall women short women i want to hear from lgbt people and a range of stuff so we've got that responsibility to fill our feeds with different people
0: So, Jen, we've actually got some listener questions for you, if that's OK. Uh, one of our lovely listeners says, I think I have BDD, but how do I know for sure?
2: Yeah, well, I think, again, the best thing to do if you want to get an initial consultation with us, um, it's free um, and more than happy to have a chat with you and go through a screening process.
1: Someone's asked this, and this is a really you know, important question. How can I support my daughter or any family who I think has BDD?
2: Yeah, so I think in terms of supporting a family member that has BDD, is that right? You may not necessarily understand what they're going through and understand how body dysmorphic disorder is for somebody experiencing it, but I think it's about allowing them to feel, you know, comfortable and supported, offering them some time to sort of, you know, say, "Listen, you know, I'm I'm here for you if you want to talk," you know, and being able to sort of listen in a non-judgmental sort of empathetic way and to not comment you know, on their appearance and to not be drawn into adaptations that facilitate their BDD thinking. So, you know, this might be a lot of people, you know, especially parents of BDD sufferers, they might sort of think that they're being helpful by giving them assurance on the way that they look or buying them that latest beauty product that they want. And actually, in certain ways, you're helping to facilitate their compulsions. So when we talked about some of those behaviours that they're putting in place for their own safety seeking behaviours. So I think it's kind of trying to educate yourself to understand more about BDD and what the safety seeking behaviours are, and to try and not be drawn into engaging in those safety seeking behaviours, which kind of keep perpetuates the cycle of BDD going.
0: One of our listeners was also wondering, are there different degrees of it? She says, I never feel like I suffer enough to have it.
2: Personally, I think it's on a spectrum um, and I think things which are interesting is that for some people um, BDD fixation might be on just one particular physical aspect so let's say for one person um, it's their face shape and that remains fixated about their face shape and that that is their BDD issue Um, whereas for other people it might be a particular aspect and it moves around so it could be face shape you know, one time, then it'll be hair texture the next time, then it might be their skin, wrinkles, acne the next time, um, you know, their height, their weight, whatever, it moves around. And another thing which is very complex about this disorder is that for some people, it can be a constant fixation, and for others, it seems to come and go. So there's times when it's more severe than other times. So for me personally, when I was under a lot of stress, then my BDD symptoms would kind of exacerbate so I remember in my 20s I went through a phase of like pocket mirror checking um, to an excessive amount and then it kind of seemed to calm down and not be an issue for me for a while and then it reared its head again um, in my 30s and it presented itself in a different way where it was just um, seeking Comparing myself, feeling really inferior, and seeking reassurance, I just felt like I was the most insecure woman, woman on the world, and kept asking my partner for reassurances. But I didn't believe the reassurance that they were giving. Um, you know, you don't accept the compliments, you don't feel assured, and you just you just keep on. It's like another kind of checking process. So I think that's of interest that it 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 is on a spectrum. It it can it can come and it can go. It can move around. Um, So imagine how complex that is for Mm. the person having it, let alone trying to explain it to somebody that hasn't experienced it. So it's very complex.
1: We've had a really, really good question from a listener. And he has asked, do you have any tips on how to cope on bad days? And I think this is a good one because aside from, um, you know, getting a diagnosis and getting professional medical help, you know, we talk, Laura and I have have both um, suffered with bad mental health at points and stuff. And we know that, you know, the self-care things to do. Are there similar things to do for BDD? And yeah, the tips that if someone's listening to this thinking, my God, I've got this or I'm having a really, really bad day with it. Any tips on how to make that day just a little bit better?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So as part of the um, private therapy process that we go through, we do work towards creating a self-management plan um, so that you're really, you know, um, equipped with sort of some skills and techniques to manage your BDD going forwards. Um but like with anything you know whether it is anxiety depression or any other mental health issue you're going to have some good days you may have some bad days so on those bad days um, with BDD a lot of it is around self-focused attention so you know it's like putting yourself under a microscope so it's holding up the microscope to your perceived imperfection and also it's a bit like having an optical illusion in your brain it doesn't sort of process your image um, in a typical rational way so you're going to hone in basically on everything that's wrong with you so what you work on is refocusing your attention so it might be about starting to direct your attention away from yourself so some people with BDD, if they're engaging in a conversation with somebody else, they're so wrapped up in, oh my God, you know, what if they're noticing, let's go back to the nose as an example, what if they're noticing my nose, they're just looking at my nose, oh my God, I need to go hide, I need to get away from the situation, I need to escape, let me get out of here, and they're not even hearing or, or seeing or taking in what the other person is saying or doing. So it's about breathing techniques that you practice, you know, when you're not under distress. So it can be that, you know, meditation, visualization, breathing techniques, anything in terms of, you know, calming your physiology. And then when you're in conversation with somebody else, then using some techniques to refocus that attention, you know, to listen to what the other person is saying, or maybe do some refocus attention techniques, such as name five things that you can see, four things that you can smell, three things that you can touch, you know, one thing you can taste. It's about kind of trying to redirect your thoughts to somewhere other than focusing on yourself.
0: With BDD, is it that like it's an irrational, where does that line kind of cross of like, where is, is that what body BDD is? Is where it's like an, an irrational fear. For me, for example, I could be going out and thinking, everyone I meet, I, I, and I do this, I think you're thinking like, wow, she's fat, but I am. Or is it like, cause I, and what I thought it, BDD was, was like, um, almost like that it was irrational. So Mm. say, for example, I was a size 12 and I thought that everyone I met thought I was like enormous and that's then irrational.
2: Yeah, I think it's it's a difficult one to answer because, you know, um, beauty is subjective, isn't it? If you think about kind of, you know, cultural differences in terms of what's considered attractive, that all differs. You know, if you think about the decades through fashion, um you know if you think about the 1950s was kind of like pear-shaped wasn't it which was trendy and then the 80s was kind of very Pamela Anderson body shape and then the 90s was kind of heroin chic stick thin look and then you know it keeps on changing through the decades doesn't it so it's it's difficult to kind of say oh this is what looks normal versus this is not attractive type thing and I think um with body dysmorphic disorder um a lot of people you know start therapy absolutely believing that if they correct their physical flaw that they will feel okay but even if they have cosmetic surgery to correct that physical flaw they still feel awful inside so it's it's uh, it's a, it's an okay. absolute mindset shift through therapy to start to understand that it isn't your physical aspect That is the issue. It's your worry about the physical aspect that is the issue that's causing you distress. Um, But a lot of people start kind of thinking, well, you know, through therapy, will I be beautiful at the end of it? And I think it's more around, I don't think self acceptance explains it well enough. But it's more about kind of understanding your mindset, understanding your core beliefs about yourself, understanding your distorted thinking patterns that's going on for you in your mind. You know, that inner critical dialogue and, you know, realizing that thoughts are just thoughts and thoughts aren't facts. So therefore, you know, you're empowered. You can actually master your thoughts. You can start to challenge your distorted thinking patterns. You can start to think in different ways about your perceived imperfection. And, you know, in time, then you can kind of tackle that worry about your appearance. And you realise that, well, I did as well in my own, you know, journey, that um, it's more to do with my self perception of myself than it was actually to do with my physical appearance. I was absolutely convinced, you know, that I would be Rejected, abandoned because of my physical appearance, and actually, it was through therapy that it. I remember it felt like turning the Titanic. It was like a very slow sort of turnaround, change, and in realizing, oh, yeah. you know, light bulb moment. Oh my God, this is actually, this is to do with my mindset. And what's exceptionally difficult is is that, um, you know, because it's to do with appearance, you listen to your internal dialogue, and if your internal dialogue is saying, "Will you look this way?" You're going to kind of believe your own internal dialogue and it's sort of through therapy learning to challenge that internal dialogue and learning to kind of loosen the reins a little bit and take in other people's perspectives as well. So, you know, if your friends and loved ones are telling you that you look okay, then potentially, possibly they could be telling the truth, but it's kind of learning to um, loosen the reins on that in a critical dialogue that you've probably heard for several years and it's very ingrained um, and starting to, to be able to challenge Mm. that.
1: Yeah. It's been so interesting. And, and I think this, this, what I'm about to say is one of those, it's, it's a very simple thing because it breaks my heart. You know, what you've been saying about how people suffer with this, it's, it's heartbreaking that people would think that about themselves. And it's something that Laura and I've said since literally the first day of the podcast um, and we stand by it. And that is like the way that you look is the least interesting thing about you. And I appreciate people who are suffering. And if you're listening to this now and you're experiencing this, that's such a easy thing to say and a very difficult thing to feel. But I just wanted to make sure that we said it in this episode at this point. Um, mm. And just before I asked the last question, which is, um, Jen, what is the one thing you wish everyone was
2: taught about body dysmorphia? That it is a recoverable condition um more than one in 50 people suffer with body dysmorphic disorder so it is more common than you would think so i think we need to really raise awareness around this to reduce you know the stigma about this mental health condition you know increase the understanding and as i said you know to that we are so much more than our appearance and you know if we can really build up that mental resilience you know through schooling to know that, you know, your value as a person is so much more than your appearance alone.
0: Thank you, Jem. You've been wonderful. That's been so, so insightful. And we're really grateful that you come on to talk to us today. Thank
1: you
2: so much for having me. It's been really good. Thank you.
0: Just
1: thank you so much to Jem for joining us this week. It was such an interesting episode and I I took away from it so much more than I thought I would. Um, And in fact, we're going to be chatting a little bit more about BDD and our chat with Jem on our bonus episode. Um, And if you'd like to subscribe to the podcast, it is just £1 a week and you'll get more of us, as well as some exclusive behind the scenes content from our live recordings, which are happening later this
0: month. Thank you so, so much for listening to this episode. We will, of course, be back with a brand new episode for you next week. But if you want more of us in the meantime, make sure you follow our Instagram. Our handle is at Go Pod, And you can also join our Facebook group, which is Go Love Yourself Community. And last but not least, if you'd like to get in touch with us on email, you can message us. The email address is go love at crowdnetwork.co.uk.
1: And for bonus episodes, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Patreon, or you can listen ad-free on Amazon music. As always, these are all linked in the episode description. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week. Bye!
0: network,
3: a place where you belong. Hello, I'm La 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 Let Me Explain and this is It's Not You, It's Them, but it might be you. I'm here to answer all your questions around love, relationships, sex, dating dilemmas and anything else you throw my way. Join me three times a week as we work through the depths of this intimacy pool together. From Sony Music Entertainment, listen and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music or wherever you get your podcasts.